everybody. Welcome to your weekly word from Brad Total Ministries. I am, I'm really glad you decided to turn this on, to watch it, to listen to it. And I hope you're enjoying the uh, teachings and sermons that I bring to you. I, I really want them to make a difference in people's lives. I know we have a lot of people that tap in from other nations of the world, which is super duper exciting with this, you know, this new, this day and age we live in, you can do things, use the internet in a way to get all the way around the world from your home. So I believe these are going to continue to go around the world and make a great difference in people's lives. Well, it's almost, uh, it's, we're in the heat of the summer already, and it's only the month of May. We're pushing up towards a hundred here in Texas. So time to break out the Hawaiian type shirts because it is hot. All right. So we're going to talk about something today that is very straightforward, very, uh, it won't be very long. It's just very straightforward. And I really pray about what the Holy Spirit and ask him what he wants me to share and what do the people need. And I get directed, you know, to different, to different, uh, thoughts on what people could uh, be ben- what could benefit them and this is something that uh, has been on my heart you know I, I we're, we're living in the last days I, I think there's so many people out there who are deceived into thinking that their lives are okay that if they if they pass they'd be ready to go to heaven they've been taught some delusion they've been taught some false they've been brought false teaching uh, they've been taught things uh, you know they've been christened when they were a baby and now they're okay there there's so many people walking around even sitting in evangelical churches who think they are are okay but uh, they're not and if uh, their life was over you know my, basically what we're going to talk about are you ready that are you sure that you're ready that you're that you're positioned uh, to go to heaven because literally i don't care what anybody tries to tell you the Bible is inerrant. It's infallible. It's God's word. I will. I will go to you know, whoever, and debate them on the fact of whether the Bible is really real or not. Whether it's actually God's word. There's so much factual uh, evidence behind the fact that the Bible is truly real. These are the words of God, and so because of that, it says the Bible says that there is two places that you're going to end up either in heaven or a place called hell, which means you're separated from God forever. As hard as that is for people to swallow, they try to jive that with God being a loving God. But, you know, if within the context of all of that stuff, God is always just. And those who choose to not serve him, those who reject the message of the gospel, there is a punishment for that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And the title of the sermon is, Which Road Are You On? Which road are you on? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. I want this to make a difference in people's lives because many, again, need Christ. They need to be ready with Christ. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew 7. And Matthew 7 is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is talking about a lot of different subjects within this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the verses that precede ours, we're going to be focusing on verses 13 and 14. Uh, he talks about, before we get to ours, about judging others. He talks about prayer, and he talks about the golden rule in verses 7 through 12. And then he comes into the title in my Bible, the paragraph title, scripture title, says, The Narrow and Wide Gates. And then he steps into verses 13 and 14. He, he, he talks about that. 
So remember, as I read these words, these words are in red in the word of God. These are the very, this is not, this is Jesus. This is not me saying this. These are the words of Christ. And Jesus in a sermon on the mount preached this to those that were listening. And thusly, it is to us as well. He said, Remember, the title is, Which Road Are You On? Verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are, here's the word, many who enter through it. Verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. So in this message today, you need to see where you're going to end up and that's going to determine or depend on which road you are on. At the time of your expiration from this earth, it depends on which road you are on, which gate you walk through, broad gate, narrow gate. Um, Jesus sets before every man the two ways, and only one way leads to eternal life. The other leads to eternal death. That makes it extremely vital that each individual make the right choice. He Listen, Jesus clearly did not believe in the deceptive, heretical doctrine known as universalism that says everybody will go to heaven. That's not true. He says that your many will find the way that leads to destruction or eternal death. Few will find the way that leads to eternal life. Few. Listen, it's impossible to take the wrong road and go to heaven. And it's impossible to take the heavenly road and go to hell. Which road are you on? Right now, if your life was over right now, which road are you on? What you do while you are in this world you're living now will determine forever where you spend your forever, right? This life has been described as nothing more than a brief pause between two long eternities. Listen, this life we're living, that you're living, you and I are living right now is simply a pause between two eternities. Look at a gravestone. It has a year you're born, dash, year you die. There, those two, that, that, that one that marks your um, death, the hash mark it has to do with the road that you're on. So while you're living in the hash mark, what road have you chose to be on? That's going to determine which eternity you're going to be living after that death date, right? It's a serious, serious thing. And the fact that life is just nothing more than a brief pause should not surprise or take any of us by surprise because after all, we're surrounded by death from the day we were born into the world, correct? Our loved ones pass away, friends pass away, 
Uh, and deep inside, we know, you know, I know that it's going to happen to us someday as well, unless I am raptured out of here. Uh, before that, the fact that we will not live forever uh, is a common theme throughout the Bible. Live forever on this earth. You're either going to be raptured out of here or death will seize you. And it's going to determine which road you're on as to where you're going to spend your eternity, where you will be forever. So you see how serious this decision is, how serious we begin to examine our lives to see, am I even right now on the right road? Am I, have I deceived myself into thinking I'm on the right road? But in reality, I'm not. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So since we're going to leave this world someday soon, and when we do, we will continue to either live in heaven or hell forever, it is essential that you know that I know where we will end up. A lot of people don't like to hear sermons or messages like this, but I, I care about your soul. I care about your eternity. And so I bring forward things like this so that you'll have a chance to get your life where it needs to be with Christ. So when the time comes when your life is gone and nobody knows what tomorrow holds, so you are ready to be in heaven with Christ. To Jesus, he made this very clear. There is a right road and there is a wrong road. There is a right road and there is a wrong road. Now listen to this. When we see the word enter, he says enter by or enter through the narrow gate. That word enter, that verb in the Greek language. So the New Testament was originally written in Greek. That Greek word as we pull it out and say enter, the Greek word is, is actually in what we call the aorist imperative. That verb and what that means is, is that this word enter is more than just us reading it and saying enter through. This conveys a sense of the way it was written and the word in the Greek that was used here conveys a sense of urgency. It's calling for immediate and effective action. Don't delay, enter now, don't procrastinate is the idea here. And these are the words of Christ. Jesus said it this way, enter, do it now, don't delay, don't procrastinate, don't put it off until tomorrow. You have to beware of putting off doing business with Jesus and you need to make absolutely sure that you know him intimately and not just that you know about him. It says, enter by the narrow gate. The King James Version says, it reads this way, enter ye in at the straight gate. Straight, the word straight is from the Latin strictum, and it means narrow and is used literally of a narrow pass between portions of land and figuratively conveys the sense of difficult and distressful. Straight conveys the idea that the gate is narrow or cramped or affords little room. In other words, there is no wiggle room there is no wiggle room when it comes to entering the kingdom of heaven, for there is but one door, the Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, the wide gate leading to the broad, easy way ends where it began, an eternal separation from God. 
Somebody says, man, this is kind of straightforward. This is truth, brother. This is truth, sister. You need to hear. We all need to hear the truth. Luke 13, 34 says, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Luke 13, 24, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. That word strive in the Greek is a present imperative. It calls for a continued striving. It signifies a continual great struggle against conflict. It signifies a continual great struggle. This conflict that we are in, um, you know, we want to get through that narrow door because Jesus says, many, I tell you, will not, they think they're going through, but they're not going to be able. So he's dealing with the crowd here. He's dealing with me and you here, not just the person that asked the question in verse 23. So Jesus is saying that choosing him is neither the popular way or the easy way. And listen, when you live in the day and age we live in now, there is an, not only is there an all out attack on Christianity in, let's say, the Muslim and Hindu nations of the world, they imprison people, they kill them, they torture them for literally having converted to Christianity. They're trying to wipe it out. And guess what's happening? It's starting to come to America. It hasn't gone to the lengths where they are killing you and torturing you, but they are coming against Christianity. They're coming against God, which means they're coming against God and they're coming against Christ. It's happening. And I guarantee you that it will get worse in this nation that is literally falling apart right now. This is part of it. There's an attack on the only thing that ever kept it great. And that is that it was based on Christian fundamentals. It was a nation that was underneath God. And as they try to strip that away, you're going to be living in a day and age where it's not going to be the easy way. It's not going to be the popular way to be someone who is living and gone through the narrow gate or is living for Christ. Remember, Jesus here was speaking to a crowd made up of mostly religious people. These were supposedly, you would ask them if they were if they were okay with God, they would have said yes, said yes. They would not have considered themselves unsaved. They were extremely religious people. One Bible commentator who I like to quote, John MacArthur, he's a great expositor of the Word of God. John MacArthur said, Entering the narrow gate is nonetheless difficult because of its cost in terms of human pride, because of the sinner's natural love for sin, and because of the world's and Satan's opposition to the truth. This nation is getting to the place where it hates the truth, except if it's their own truth. But true truth is coming from the word of God. The Bible gives you the real and only true truth. So the real question here is not, are there few who are saved, but will you be among the few who are saved? Which road are you on? Listen, salvation is not a theory to discuss. It is a miracle to experience. Have you experienced salvation? If you have not truly experienced salvation, you're not on the right road. 
We live in a soft age that's more concerned about statistics than about spiritual power. So that word strive, getting back to that word strive, it equals to agonize as an athlete or to fight or struggle in war. So it's not that we are saved by hard work. Rather, it warns us to avoid this easy, complacent, and theoretical attitude toward the eternal destiny of the soul. Did you get that? So we're supposed to, that striving, it says strive to enter in to um, the narrow door, strive, work, struggle for that. Uh, so the word, it's not something that we work for or not that we're saved by hard work, but it's a warning to avoid this. What you see nowadays is easy, complacent, theoretical attitude toward the eternal destiny of the soul. We are to fight or be at war with who? Not who, but what? Be at war with sin. Sin in general, our own sin. Strive to enter the narrow gate because God's way is narrow. It's narrow. Think about that. It must not satisfy us to follow the fashion of the crowd and swim with the stream of those with whom we live. Jesus tells us that the way that leads to everlasting life is narrow and there are few who travel on it. I will guarantee you that in some of the biggest churches, whatever you want to say, evangelical churches in America today, those pastors that tout they have 40,000 people and on and on, I will guarantee you that there are a lot of those people sitting in their congregations that are not saved. Remember, the Bible tells us that in the last days, people don't want truth. They want to go where the pastors are giving them things that tickle their ears, giving them these soft sell sermonettes. And so people will gather there by the tens of thousands because it's not the hard, straightforward truth that they don't want to hear. So I will guarantee you that they're gathered in those churches because they don't want to hear truth like this. And so many of them are not being this, preached this kind of truth. So they're sitting there thinking they're okay because they raised their hands, prayed a prayer, and somebody said, you're saved now. So they think you're on the way to heaven, but they are among the group that's going to say, Lord, Lord, have I not done all these things in your name? And Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I have never known you. That When it says that in, in that verse, Lord, Lord, they think they're intimate with Christ. And he's going to say, I've never known you. I believe there are many sitting in churches on Sunday mornings who are just like that. Shame on the men of God who are in those pulpits preaching who are not preaching the truth. Jesus tells us that the way that leads to everlasting destruction is broad and it's full of travelers. Many are those who enter in by that. These folks are fearful truths, and they ought to cause a great searching of our heart and our minds. For everyone who hears these words, this ought to cause us to really search and ask ourselves, which way am I going? By what road am I traveling? Which road are you on? It's not about which church you go to. It's not about the fact that you're Catholic and you've been christened as a baby. That has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with whether you've gone into a confessional and confessed your sins to a priest. It has nothing to do with salvation. 
has nothing to do with that. It has to do with whether you have truly believed in your heart and trusted in Christ, repented of your sins, and trusted in Christ as a Lord and Savior of your life. And somebody says, well, how do I know then that I'm saved? Because you will recognize in your life that you are now desiring to live a godly, righteous type of life. That's one way to know for sure that something has happened in your life, that transformation has taken place because the way you think changed, the things you look at changed. I'm not saying you're perfect, but there is a consistent driving and a passion to live a godly and a righteous and a holy life before God. That's something that you've seen take. I, that's, I know when I came to Christ, not everybody knows that. I know the specific time, the month, I know the day, I, and not everybody can, but I know that I know that I'm saved because I instantly saw my life change and my life still consistently is sanctif being sanctified and changing because I know that the Spirit of God lives in me truly and he's working those things in me to bring me to more to a closer place of Christ likeness, which I'll never achieve, but I'm still moving towards that. I pursue holiness in my life. I pursue righteousness in my life. I pursue to live a, I desire to live a godly life. Amen. So you need to be looking at yourselves or giving this sermon to people who, who need to now be looking at themselves and asking them the questions, which road am I really on. It's not a game. It's not worth playing around with it. It's not worth procrastinating. It's not worth it's not worth waiting till tomorrow to say, I'm gonna wait till I've seen this before. People say, I'm gonna wait till tomorrow, and then they die before tomorrow arrives. It's a decision, it's something to ponder and look at your life and really examine in your life where you are or where you are not with Christ. There's in these two ways, every one of us is going to be found in one of these two ways. Every person on the face of the earth is going to be found in one of these two ways. So may God give us an honest, self-inquiring spirit and show us what we and who we really are. Repentance and faith in Christ and holiness of life have never been fashionable. It's not fashionable today. You're going to be going against the flow of society but man, it is so worth it to be on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. While so many more are going the opposite direction to hell on that broad road, and there are many travelers upon that road. Listen, you will have abundance of liberty in entering the wide gate, and that's what people want. Uh, it stands wide open to tempt those that go right on their way. People will try, they will, they will literally pass by uh, the narrow the the narrow road uh, people can go into this wide road and the, onto this through this broad gate uh, they can go in there with all their lusts about them it gives no check to our spirit to our fleshly appetites to our passions uh, we can walk in the way of our own heart and what we want to do and in the light of our sight of our own eyes what we want to look at that gives room enough in, in people that they they like that they don't want anything to constrict the way that they they want to live their lives and you're going to have an abundance of company who are like that on that broad way there will be many that go in at this gate and will walk this way and again if we follow the multitude it will be to do evil if we go with the crowd it will be the wrong way you want to be with the few 
and you, I guarantee you're going to be going against the flow of where the world is going today at large. You need to be going in the wrong direction and fight the whole way and struggle the whole way and get there and make it in, and get to heaven and spend an eternity in a place called heaven with Christ and instead of going the opposite direction. So when it says the gate is straight or narrow, listen to this, conversion and regeneration are the only way in which we enter into this narrow way. Conversion and regeneration. In other words, you must be born again to get on the narrow road. Not just having a form of religion, not just being a churchgoer, you must be born again. This is a narrow gate. It's hard to find. It's hard to get through like a passage between two rocks. There must be a new heart, a new spirit, and all things must pass away. In other words, you must be born again. The soul must be changed, corrupt habits and customs broken off. What we have been doing all our days must be undone again. In other words, we must be born again. We must swim against the stream. Much opposition must be struggled with and broken through from without and from within. We must deny ourselves, put off the world, put off the old man, and we must be willing to forsake all for the interest of Christ. That's the way and that's what it means to be saved. We must be born again. Our life will truly be transformed. Secondly, the gate being so straight and the way so narrow, it's not strange that there are few who find it or who choose it. And this is the thing. Many will pass by it through carelessness, they are fine the way they are, and they see no need to change their way. Others look upon it and shun it. They don't like to be so limited and restrained. This is a big one coming up. Those that are going to heaven are but few compared to those that are going to hell. Those that are going to heaven are a remnant like the eight that were saved in the ark. And the greatest danger here for most people is the danger of self-deception. The scribes and the Pharisees were extremely religious people and they fooled themselves into believing that they were righteous and others were sinful. And today, many have fooled themselves into believing that because they were christened as a baby, that they are okay. Listen, it's possible for people to know the right language, believe intellectually the right doctrines, obey the right rules, and still not be saved. Doesn't matter what denomination you are part of, that does not cause you to be born again. Keep in mind, that most Jews believe that Israel as a whole would be saved. And that is a delusion that Paul dealt with vigorously in Romans chapter 2. And they believe that the few who were lost would be exceptions to the general rule. Jesus' teachings radically destroys that delusion. Let me give you another commentary from John MacArthur. He said, The way that is broad is the easy, attractive, inclusive, indulgent, permissive, and self-oriented way of the world. There are few rules, few restrictions, and few requirements. All you need to do is profess Jesus, or at least be religious, 
and you are ready, readily accepted in that large and diverse group. Sin is tolerated, truth is moderated, and humility is ignored. God's word is praised but not studied, and his standards are admired but not followed. This way requires no spiritual authority, no moral character, no commitment, and no sacrifice. It is the easy way of floating downstream in the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2.2. It is the tragic way which seems right to a man, but whose end is the way of death, Proverbs 14.12. He went on to say, a West Indian who had chosen Islam over Christianity said his reason was that Islam is a noble broad path. There is room for a man and his sins on it. The way of Christ is too narrow. He went on to say, it seems that many preachers today do not see that issue as clearly as that unbelieving Muslim. So there are people in pulpits who are not preaching the truth, and they literally are doing so to the destruction of those that are underneath them who are coming to their services all the time every week and they're not getting truth and so they're sitting there in their congregations completely unsaved. The thing about this eternal death, destruction for the sinner, it does not result, please understand this, it does not result in this common teaching of annihilation or extinction. Destruction is not the loss of being but of well-being. But the gospel promises everlasting life for him who believes. When you, when you die separated from God forever, it's not an annihilation or extinction. You will, people will suffer torment for eternity. I said for eternity. You don't want to be on that road. The failure to possess this everlasting life will involve the utter ruin of those that perish. Which road are you on, sir? Which road are you on, ma'am? Which road are you on, young person? Jesus is not giving us many paths. His command is either or. You're either on the right road or you're on the wrong road. There is a choice between two ways and only one leads to eternal life while the other leads to eternal death. So bringing this to a close, salvation requires our earnest effort and really our urgent attention and our careful self-examination. Where are you with Christ? Which road are you on? Do you live like you're not, like nothing in your life has ever changed? I'm not saying that we make, don't make mistakes, but I look around you, look at your friends. I see people all around me all the time who live lives who say that, man, they're ready to go to heaven, they've confessed their sins to a priest, or you know what, they've, they've been baptized or whatever, and they go to this church or that church, and they think they're ready, but their lives literally sound like they have never, ever come in contact with Christ or the true gospel. It requires an effort. This requires earnest effort because the door is narrow. It requires our urgent attention because the door is soon to be closed. That narrow door will close one day. And from that point on, no one can get in. I would, if I was you, really look at your life, 
examine your life to see where you are and make sure that you were on the right road. This requires our careful self-examination because once it is closed, the door will be eternally closed. And there aren't many doors in the same place so, um, the, so that you can take your pick. There's only one road to eternal life, one door, and that door is extremely narrow. There's only one and there's only, there's only one door, only one door, and that door is coming through Jesus Christ. And people don't like this because it's not all-inclusive. It's exclusive. There's only one way. Jesus said in John 14, 6 about himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. No one comes to the Father except through Christ and Christ alone. The entrance is narrow and exclusive, not broad and all-inclusive. There is nothing so-called as universalism where everybody's going to get saved. Some are on a broad path leading to destruction. Few are on the narrow road leading to everlasting life. You might not like the fact that it's narrow. You may think it's too exclusive. You may say, I believe that God is loving and that he will accept everyone who tries to do his best. I believe that all sincere people will get through the door. But the fact is, according to Jesus, it is narrow and not wide. He made it narrow without checking with me for my idea about how wide it should be. He made it narrow without checking with you for your idea about how wide you think it should be. Whether you like it or not, Jesus claimed and is the only way to God. He's the only way. Through repentance of your sin that you were born into, for truly believing in your heart and who Christ is, what Christ accomplished for you on the cross, and then confessing it from your mouth that he's the Lord and the Savior of your life. Without those, you'll never get on that narrow road. You can either enter through the narrow door where Christ is alone, or you can invent a broad door that includes many ways to God and thus contradict everything that Jesus himself has said in the word of God. And I plead with you today. That's why, that's why I'm bringing this. I plead with you to heed the words of our Lord and Savior. Strive to enter in at the narrow gate. Do not let anything keep you from making sure of your eternal salvation. Be like the man, if you've never read the book, but be like the man in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, great book, who when he heard of impending destruction of the city in which he lived and learned that life was to be found only through entering the small gate, refused to be turned aside by any of his own townspeople and putting his fingers in his ears, he ran from them crying, life, life, eternal life, and so made his way toward the shining light pointed out to him by the evangelist. That's what I'm doing to you. I am pointing you towards the narrow gate. Sometimes you may need to plug your ears and not follow the crowd and not listen to what the crowd is saying to you and just cry out life, life, eternal life and make your way towards the narrow door that leads to everlasting life. I ask you, where will you end up? It depends on the road you take. Don't delay enter now. Don't procrastinate. Beware of putting off doing business with Jesus until tomorrow. Make absolutely sure you know him intimately. Make absolutely sure today 
you are on the right road. If you listen to this and you walk away without doing some self-examination, I, that's not good. You need to look at your life. That's why you listen to it. That's why the Holy Spirit had me write it down. That's why the Holy Spirit gave me the notes to make sure that I followed them. That's why the Holy Spirit has given me this to give to you, whoever and wherever you are in the world today, to ask you the question, you need to make sure which road you are on. The road that leads to eternal life, which is narrow, or the road that leads to eternal death, which is broad. Man, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't procrastinate. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for this very straightforward message that you have given me to give to those who would be listening today around the world. I pray that people's hearts would be opened. Holy Spirit, you'd be moving on them. They would heed your voice. They would open their hearts. They would open up their minds and begin to really look at their life and ask themselves where they are really at with you. They will not be people who will just pass by that narrow gate and say, well, I want to go to the place where everybody else is gathering. I pray they will be people who are not going to be afraid to go against the flow. I pray they will be people who will make the decision to examine their life and when they see themselves not where they should be, not not being on the right road, that they will do what they need to do to get themselves right, that will repent of their sins. They will trust in you and believe in you as the Lord and the Savior of their life and what you did for them on the cross. And they will believe that you rose from the dead and they will confess you as a Savior and a Lord out of their mouth publicly. I thank you today, Lord, that people who are listening to this right now are making decisions to get on the right road. They realize they've been deceived for years and years and years. I believe some who are listening to this are going to say, I'm getting out of this church and I'm going to go somewhere that will preach to me the truth. Lead them and guide them, Holy Spirit, to the right church, to the right teacher, to someone who gives them truth. We thank you for these things today. We thank you for many coming to faith in Christ. We thank you for many getting off the broad road and now being on the narrow road. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor for all these things being accomplished by your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I know this has made a difference in your life. So from this moment on, while you're now on the right road, live your life all out for God. Amen. God bless you.